Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello folks and welcome to Heart and Hand Extra, the second of our two free weekly pods from the guys behind Heart and Hand and two of the finest people from behind Heart and Hand are joining me, David Edgar, today. First up, my lovely friend Mr Alex Staff. Hi there David. And my other lovely friend Mr Cameron Bell. Hello boys, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Now, obviously on Extra, we cover what we've missed since the last pod, and there was a game this week, and preview the game ahead. So we'll start off Tuesday evening, when Rangers went to Pataudry to take on Aberdeen. And Alex, I thought we started terrifically, I really did. I mean, genuinely, I enjoyed watching the football in the opening 10 minutes. It was fast, it was incisive, it was one touch, and we were pulling Aberdeen all over the park. Only fashioned the one chance with a lovely move, but still, Aberdeen were having to work really hard just to keep us out, and then it changes. Yeah, one goal, and as we've seen too often this season, the team kind of panics a little bit. Uh, and had that happened in the second half, you know, if it was no one at that half time and that happened in the second half, we'd have lost that game. Mm. But luckily, we were able to get them in at half time and kind of refocus. Uh, horrendous refereeing decision obviously same referee that shafted us against Motherwell in the semi-final I think there was a bit of a, a hangover from that from the players as well when they lost their discipline um, yeah first 10 minutes was excellent actually uh, really really nice stuff some of the best football we've played our season yeah. <laughs> just a shame it only lasted 10 minutes <laughs> exactly yeah it was like a glimpse uh, of something you know far beyond that offered more promise but Right, Cammy, Alex, uh, I'm going to come back to in a minute about this, because Alex has generally been probably the least annoyed but or, or handled refereeing this season better than the rest of us. But that's a fucking scandalous decision. You're a refereeing expert. Justify it. Go on. I dare you. And you can't. 
No, I can't. And um, it's not just the... Don't get wrong, the decision for the penalty is bad enough. But um, we've spoken before in the pods, and, and it's one of the things since going through my qualifications and stuff, and you look at the game differently. But it's the management of the game. And I, I'm, I'm kind of in two minds as to what was worse, the decision for the penalty or his inability to manage the game. And you saw... I mean, it was card happy was probably the best term that we could, I could use to describe McLean's performance in that at the start of the game. Uh, and then I think it wasn't until at least half an hour in the second half, he then produced the first card of the second half uh, because he probably realised, Christ, I'm running out of space in my book here. Yeah. Um, so many yellows he was producing. The, the, his position for the penalty um, is poor because typically you want to ideally stand in a corner so you can have the goal kick over your over your in that scenario it would be over your left shoulder. So you are watching, and to a certain extent you're facing your linesman in that direction. So that basically you've got enough of the the the, the eighteen yard box covered. Um, looking at it from different angles, I've seen people, and let's call them Rangers haters, trying to justify protect the the, the referee's decision because of it looks like McLean's get to the ball first and and Morelos gets their second, it's wrong. And had McLean been facing the, the challenge from the other side, he would have quite clearly have seen Morelos getting there to, to the ball first. I didn't get that argument, and you're right, by people who don't like us particularly. Well, they say, yeah, but from various angles, it looked like a penalty. Not the fucking one he was at, it didn't. And uh, Alex, Morelos is wearing bright, luminous boots. It's quite clear who gets to the ball first. McLean... Another thing I always look for is a player's reaction. McLean is on the way down and he's turning and looking for the referee because that's all he's doing with that particular uh, passage of play. He's just chucked himself in. And it was a ludicrous... I mean, I I keep going back to that word because it's just unjustifiable. It was, yeah. Uh, Kenny McLean was the guy refereeing the game, not Stephen McLean. (laughs) The various incidents in the game... He fucking suplexed Alfredo Morelos at one point and didn't even get a booking for it. He then cried for a foul that the referee wasn't going to give and got the foul. He had various fouls, never got booked once. One of There was 10 bookings in the game. Kenny McLean was involved in most incidents and wasn't one of the players booked. He was a guy refereeing the game. It was back to it was a throwback to the old days of Willie Miller and Alex McLeish yeah, at Aberdeen yes. when everybody would just accuse Willie Miller of refereeing a game. It was exactly like that. Um, and yeah I, I try to be a bit more rational I don't mean that as a dig at anybody but I try my best to look at an instant in real time and what my initial reaction is and, and replays can sometimes you know turn that around but even in real time I couldn't understand it the David Bates booking ridiculous absolutely ridiculous decision there was various as I say moments where he just went with the, the shouts of the Aberdeen players they consistently surrounded him with every decision that we got, the one or two times that we did that to him, Dorans gets booked. Mm. No, not one of their players got booked for that. And then I think the worst decision in a lot, which actually went in our favour somehow, that tackle by Sean Gosh just before half time was that. That was wild. Yeah, but it's that a com- was absolutely wild. Now yeah. he gave that yeah. after not giving us exactly. A foul. Yeah, that's a compound mistake. And yeah. it's because he should have given a foul in the first place. Doesn't Goss? You're right. And look unprofessional, completely loses his temper, I think just utterly sickened by every single decision going the wrong way, 
and absolutely clatters the guy. And it, it was a definite yellow, and he doesn't give that. That speaks to your point, Cammy, and you're spot on that in the game, which in the first 10 minutes for an Aberdeen Rangers game was reasonably quite calm. First 13 minutes, you may say, especially for one with something riding on it. It was quite, you know, it was football. It was a football match. It wasn't a war. It degenerates for at least the rest of that half because the referee has completely lost control. Uh, he's made a terrible decision, and then in the five minute, the key minutes after it, where he really needs to sit on it, he just completely loses it and makes bad decision on bad on top of bad decision. Clearly irritates the players and doesn't doesn't referee even handedly. I think Alex's point about. One reaction when he gets surrounded by Rangers players to another reaction when he's surrounded by Aberdeen players is is very telling. And I think that he not only lost control of the game, but played a major part in sending it spiralling down the plug hole. I don't think he... Yes, I don't think he sends Goss off because of the penalty, because I think he realises it's fucked up at some point. And um, I I think the, the, the Goss tackle was... Like one of these tackles, and we've seen we've seen them boot in games before, right? And you can tell that it's coming. And what I mean by that is that there's been a couple of niggly challenges, and it, it's really going to hit the border of being a foul. Hasn't quite stepped over the line, and play has continued. Then another one comes in, and then another one comes in, and then eventually at some point somebody just smashes someone, and then that stops play. And I think Gossie's one was was a more prolonged example of that where I think he felt that he should have got it in the first uh, uh, when he first kind of came on he saw a, a, a tackle another player which which I, f- I forget who I, I think it might have been Holt um, who himself also committed what could potentially could have been a red card challenge himself Jason Holt but even at that stage it, it's getting it's, it's getting too wound up too wound up and then it just it ends with some with, with Goskin and, and, and cementing the player and I don't think I think it would have been incredibly hard for us to sit on this pod to justify him not getting a red card for that had one been shown. Um, but again, we're, we're not interested. This is 2018. We're not interested in the fucking 70s type football, the players clatting each other and punching each other. It's not It's not what we're wanting to see. And actually, Scottish football is far, far better than that. And it was actually better than what should have been quite a good game um, on Tuesday night. It's, it's second v third. There's a lot in the line. I think we did come out to play football with that and I think that the referee's um, inability to control the players and to manage the game effectively um, had had too much bearing on it becoming into a bit of a shit show, if I'm honest. No, I think you're totally right there. Now, we do like to try and be as balanced as we can on here within within reasonable uh, what's the word, partisan, partisan limits, but that doesn't excuse for me, as awful as the referee was, it doesn't excuse for me Rangers' utter mental collapse in that last half hour because of the first half because they completely lost their head, not even in a productive way. It was stupid fouls. It was kicking in front of a referee who you know is unlikely to, to give anything your way. And I did understand the frustration. I was in a blind rage for 20 minutes after the, after the penalty because it was such a shocking decision. But they didn't channel their energy positively Alex and that's all Aberdeen have Aberdeen are a long ball physical match up everybody else and hey it works for them against every team that aren't the old firm so fair play to them in that regard but 
that's all they have. And that game suited them down to the ground because it was just niggly. It was very, very much uh, a fractured football match. There wasn't any quality pieces of play. And it suited them far more than it suited us. And we fell into the trap, I thought. And yes, the referee's given them a big hand, but that didn't excuse for me what was then a really foolish performance from the Rangers players because it was exactly what the opposition wanted them to do. Yeah, dragged ourselves into the sort of match that if if they were given the choice before the game, that's how they'd have wanted us to play. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think you need your experienced players to step up there and that was what we lacked in the first half. Dorrance had to go off, who I thought started the game really brightly, personally. Um, I was kind of looking to him to to kind of settle us down again. That was who I thought was going to be the guy to do that. Uh, Russell Martin, I think we we all know, is is struggling regardless. Um, Tavernier, as captain, you would look to him to try and have a word to people, but I think he would maybe kind of lost the head slightly as well, uh, in truth. And those were the guys that you were kind of looking at. Jamie Murphy, to some extent, who got you know the first half kind of passed him by. Those were the players you were looking at to try and get a hold of people and say, just calm the fog down and get back to playing football here. Uh, and as I say, it was lucky that you know this was the kind of first half this happened and they were able to get the boys back in and somebody is has, has, has kind of refocused them because the second half was obviously a hell of a lot better. Uh, but it's rather telling that, and I know we're coming on to it. Uh, it's rather telling that the two players, in my opinion, who turned it around are two of the younger guys in the squad, um, which which does make you wonder just just what's going on. Is it just an ability thing or, or is there something, you know, is a, is a lack of confidence hurting our experienced players more than anybody else? Uh, I'd be curious to know what people think on that. I think that people are going into the match on a bit of a shorter temper because they're frustrated at their own performances, at the way things are going probably at the stick they've been getting because nobody likes that even if it's justified so I think you're right I think that they go into the match ready to pop and then something like that did utterly pop them and look we do try to as I say be balanced mainly for that guy somebody sent me a, from a Reddit thing which is not a platform I use I must admit about a guy who apparently um, doesn't like our show because all we do is complain about referees uh, and try to be funny which is sort of yep that's kind of what we've got but but brilliantly at the bottom of it said he subscribes to the Patreon site so he pays extra to listen to a podcast he doesn't actually seem to like but we do try to balance it out and when we have a go at referees it's because we feel it's justified and it doesn't as we say excuse the performance that we then got for the rest of the half now Cammy, I think Alex is absolutely spot on there when he says the two players that turn it round for us are Ross McCrory with an inspirational performance from midfield and Jason Cummings probably more positionally and adding an extra dimension to our play rather than having a scintillating performance but we were a lot better second half and again in Tressa Balance I've just did a right go at them for that first half I thought second half there wasn't a lot of quality uh, and you saw that in the last third repeatedly however by sheer grit and determination they took the game completely away from Aberdeen I don't think Jack Anik has touched the ball in the second half and they have even though they weren't playing well, grafted their way to a point, and they do deserve a bit of credit for that, in my opinion. They do, but then I would also uh, throw into that mix uh, Morelos as well, who um, 
cuts a frustrated figure at times um, but he had to do a lot of the physical work I feel on Tuesday night um, it's, it's difficult to, to be able to it's, it's, it's interesting because if you look at sometimes the mistakes these players make versus what you know they're capable of producing it, you can almost apply that to any position in the park so I'll give you an example of that so McCrory in the first half gives away quite in my opinion quite a needless corner with a really poor touch which mm. I'm not really too sure is, I don't know if it gets his foot caught or something but you both know the one I'm talking yeah, about uh, where he kind of takes a touch and goes out to that led to the chance corner. that led to the, the ghost penalty yeah I know the one you mean but, yeah. 30 but then equally at the same point he's, he's, he's absolutely turned that around with some really good um, organisational play from midfield in the second half I think he, he he was really up for the fight. I, I, I mean, his goal shows that. I mean, he just wasn't willing to let that go. If you think about that, and this is probably more for Alex and Adam, uh, and, and obviously the, the kind of set-up shows that they do and stuff as well, but um, McCrory has no right to even be in the box to win the header that he wins for the goal. Um, but he's still there, he's still battling. Morelos, exactly the same. Some of the chances and um, some of the chances that he scuffed... Uh, in, in the build-up to the goal, there was one a great one in the first half, actually, um, where he, uh, Dorans plays the ball back through to him and it just opens his body up and all he has to do is have a look at it and it just wasn't a good take at all. He had another one in the second half, um, but his shot is the one that leads to the ball going up there for the McCrory header. Players, players I think, are doing a lot of that. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sold on Jason Cummings at the moment. Um, I don't think it's his fault. I think that he played really well on Tuesday in parts, but then I would apply that to the team. Uh, I think he needs a partner. I think that he can um, hold the ball up or play a lone striker role anywhere near as good as Morelos can. Um, I, 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 I know that you had said in previous pods, Davey, about you quite like this idea of him kind of coming in from the flank. I would probably agree with some of that. Um, but again, like you say, his courage and the fact that he was up for the fight uh, I think probably showed a lot of that driving determination that we saw. Alex, I wonder if mentality is something that you either have or you don't. I really do. I wonder because you, you, you hit the nail on the head there. It was two young guys. And that's the way Ross McCrory and Jason Cummings play. It's got nothing to do with circumstance, really. They they both, with the exception of McCrory's you know, disastrous old fun game uh, in, in the semi-final. He'll learn from that. Hopefully at his age, he, he seems to have it. But he's responded in the right way. He wasn't fit then. I think it was apparent. And I do I wonder if it's you know nature versus nurture. Uh, can you install that mentality? I'm sure players, if they're surrounded by other guys who have it, can rise to the challenge occasionally. But in terms of the guys who can just deliver it, maybe you either have it or you don't. I think there's something in that, yeah. Um... People who I, I've debated this with people actually because obviously you know having studied some of the psychology stuff in the past, there's a belief that sports psychologists can come in and instill this in people. I, I don't believe that's the case at all. Um, they can get it out of people who have maybe lost that a bit. If you think about individual sportsmen who've maybe lost that bit of confidence in themselves and they go away and suddenly they're able to find it, um, they can you know make a team a bit more of a a unit and stuff like that, but but you're right. I think mentality is the hardest thing to sign. It's the hardest thing to find, and it's nigh on impossible to teach. Really, um, one of the best at, at Rangers in recent years 
if you think about what what was it now eleven years ago the Gwen came in, something like that, wasn't it? Um twelve. Twelve. One of the first decisions he makes is to drop Nacho Novo. Novo's playing in the reserves, um, and it looks like he's got no chance of coming back in. Within a couple of months, he's starting games for the Gwen in Europe and, and one of our main players, and he kicked on from there. Uh, and that was all mentality. He had every chance, and potentially even a justification, to take the huff, you know, move on. I believe he knocked back a move, actually, yep. at the time. He, he could have just chucked it, um, phoned it in, taken his wages, done whatever he liked, but he was absolutely determined to get himself back into that team because he had that sort of mentality, and he'd done exactly that. Some of the other players don't see, at the moment don't seem to have that. If it's not working out for them, they tend to just take the easy option. Mm. Um, or that's how it feels anyway. No. Whereas if you look at somebody like a Ross McCrory, he's, you know, I think it's pretty obvious at the moment he's one player who's absolutely up for any sort of fight you throw at him. Jason Cummings believes he should be playing football every second. He should be starting every game in his mind. And, you know, when he gets a chance, and he, he was put on a Tuesday night out of position, wide left. Another frustration, I'm sure, for him. But he came in and he, grit, he grit, you know, he worked hard. Individual quality-wise, yeah, there was moments that weren't great for him, but he worked hard. And doing that, he contributed to a much better team performance. At Morelos, people talk about, you know, he takes a huff, he comes out of games because of it. That, I don't I don't agree with that. Yeah, he can be huffy and such like, but he works his balls off in every game. And I thought, personally, he was man in a match on Tuesday. So, you know, these are the guys, young guys who have no real right, they've not got the experience, they've not got a huge pedigree behind them. Um, to be the guys that are somehow dragging this Rangers team up in performance at the moment, and that's you know quite telling to their mentality and their ability as well. The, the, the add-on I would put into that, David, just before we can move on, is um, I'm not, I'm, I'm absolutely certain I'm not the only Rangers fan who's asking where that mentality was against uh, Celtic in the last two games we've played them. It's not there at all. They don't have it. They are shite scared of Celtic. I, I, that's back to my I point from the other week, Cammy. That I I think that you have to ditch quite a lot of them because there's too much scar tissue against Celtic for them, and I don't I don't think they're repairable. Um, going back to Alex's point about a sports psychologist, I think there's just too much damage done now, and that psychologically, in much the way as it was for us Celtic against uh, against Tommy Burns' Celtic, there's just too much psychological baggage there. I don't believe that a number of those players will ever be able to turn it on against Celtic because they don't believe they can. No, and listen, I, I, I get that. And I think that, I mean, we've seen evidence of it. But to come back to um, the, the, the kind of point that we're driving home and we're saying, well, um, your challenge when um, you go a goal down and then you go a bit fucking stroppy. And you say, well, do you know what? I'm not having this. Well, they had fucking plenty of chances to do that against Celtic and not a single one of them came out to do it. So I think that mentality could actually be a very, very useful tool if it's channelled in the right way. Um, I think against Aberdeen it wasn't. I think it was completely non-existent in either the league or semi-final games against Celtic. Um, so I think to a certain extent these players need to probably think about if that is going to be a tool in our arsenal, how do we how do we utilise it more often and better? Because... We, we need to we, we need to be able to try and turn some of that on so it works for us when it absolutely has to. Um, and some of the most successful Rangers teams in the past have, have been able to use that in the right way 
where we won't allow teams to come and press us off the ball. We won't lose physical battles. We just can't go over the top, which I think we saw a bit of in, in Aberdeen on Tuesday. Alex, Morelos, to, to come back to him just before we move off this game, he drives me nuts sometimes, so I do get what people are saying about him because he does drive me nuts with the erratic finishing. I, I can't help it, you know, when I see a striker miss a chance that, that could have led to an important goal. It does drive me nuts, but... I can see that he works incredibly hard. His physical play is excellent. The other night, as you say, he was involved and he just kept going and certain other players didn't, but he did. And it doesn't help that he does walk about with a face like a slapped arse at times and, and that annoys me, but I think that that's just his face. But I think watching it the other night, it made me wonder if perhaps it's now a question of your individual striking taste when it comes to to forwards and there are some who like the battling all round centre half maybe not the most prolific but works his nuts off always contributes you know sets up chances for others etc etc and then there are others who just like the strikers who score goals they like a guy who puts the ball in the net they're not too bothered if it means that 88 out of 90 minutes, they're not doing anything if for two minutes they're scoring or testing the keeper. And some strikers, the best strikers are both, obviously, but way out of our price range. And some strikers fit into either category. And I wonder now if it's just a case that some people who prefer their strikers to be deadly finishers above anything else just think, nah, he's not for me because he's not that. Whereas there's others who won't hear a word against them because... He's very much in mould number one. He's very much a guy who you can play up front, as we did the other night, against four guys, and he'll battle away and never give up. So I wonder how much of it is due to Morelos' form, Morelos the individual, or just personal preference when it comes to what type of player you like. Yeah, personal preference is definitely a big part of it. I'm very aware of that myself. I tend to judge strikers not on goals scored, but on their contribution when they're not scoring goals. Uh, you know, as a team, still functioning well are they still a, a major part of of the play when they're not scoring goals and I believe Morelos is very good at that you must have fucking also, hated Boyd yes I did <laughs> I, I, I did not like Chris Boyd overall and I think it's rather telling that someone with his goal record struggled to get games in bigger matches Jesus there was a game where Philip Seabold got picked ahead of him against Celtic you know going to Parkhead because Walter Smith had zero faith in Chris Boyd's ability to be part of the team if he wasn't scoring goals. Uh, you know, that's... If you're getting dropped for Sebo, but well, great, that's, you know, a guy who literally couldn't score. That's a pretty worrying sign. But, you know, I wasn't a big fan of Boyd before that and I do appreciate his goals and I do appreciate that that's just my view of a striker as compared to others. I absolutely get that. For me, I think where we, where we can be somewhat... Or what we're still adjusting to is Rangers fans, in my opinion and this applies to quite a few players, is that we are, are better players at the moment are now works in progress rather than finished articles. Uh, Morelos is definitely one of our better players. We are a weaker team when he doesn't play, but he's not a finished article. He's still a work in progress, and what I see from him suggests to me that this guy's going to go on and have a very good career because managers now like strikers who, OK, he's not going to score every game, but he's going to contribute every game. He's going to do something. He's going to. There's no defender in that league can bully Morelos. Um, but if you watch Jason Cummings, for example, 
in the last game against Celtic, but yeah, I slapped him about. I mean, he, he was just, it was like going in against an under-12 player and just winning the ball off him and such. Like, Morelos never allows any defender an easy game. Never happens. So, you know, I, I quite like those attributes in a forward. And I'll take, you know, goals, not not quite as a bonus, but, you know, I look at goals overall. And as a team, we've scored a lot of them this season, a lot more than we did last season. He's been a big part of that, and that's great to me. But I do understand you're right. I think there is just, for some people... It's all about the chances that a striker misses. I, I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to do. It's just not what I look at personally, which is probably why I fall more on the you know defending Morelos side. Cami, I'm not sure about yourself. Actually, are you more of a kind of strikers equals goals type guy? He's a Chris. He's a uh, sorry, a, a Kyle Lafferty type strikers guy. That's Cami's default setting on strikers. What they should be. Yep, um, can score goals. Can create space. Um, I think can, your, your problem can, your, lead, your the, problem is can you, lead the district in ten German bombers. That's what that's what Cami <laughs> wants from a striker. Correct, absolutely correct. Um, I think I think your issue though is that when you talk about, I, I, I think that you if you put Morelos and Cummings together, you would potentially make a Chris Boyd type striker. Um, and what I mean by that is someone who can work a bit of space, won't allow defenders to bully him, um, but a chance falls to him within six yards and you just know it's a finish. And that, for me, is probably where Morelos' biggest problem is. I think he gets frustrated, not necessarily because he's not scoring goals, it's because he's not finishing chances, which I know, which which he believes that he should be finishing, which should be relatively bread and butter. Um I don't know if the, the, the three two Celtic game that miss still haunts him, but that wasn't his only miss of the season, uh, which has been so easy to convert. Um you, you guys like Chris Boyd finished them without a second thought. I mean there is no there is no dubiety about it whatsoever. Still does. Kenny Miller, <laughs> on the other hand, will run ten kilometres a game. But you know, I'm still not convinced that he is easy he, he can convert easy chances. I think your problem is, though, that strikers, by and large, the best strikers are greedy. They want goals. They want to be held to that standard. Um, and with the best ball in the world, if you are getting the shit knocked out of you because you are up against four defenders, then you want something to look back on to say, well, yeah, I, I, I might have set up a goal, but actually I scored you know, two on I've, I've you know, I have got my name in lights somewhere. That's what a lot of strikers will feed off. So it's really difficult to be able to say Morelos would feel satisfied about just creating space for other people to come in to score. Now, I think I know the answer to this already before I ask you both, but I'm going to do it anyway because I think it'll be quite entertaining to listen to the fallout from it. The other night, Wednesday night, Hearts played Hibs and Hibs lost by two goals to one, which meant that they can't finish any higher than fourth, which led to an epic Neil Lennon meltdown, didn't it? I mean, a classic Neil Lennon. First of all, he walked off taunting the Hearts fans about an achievement of another team, which they haven't even achieved, and who aren't their direct rivals. So, hmm. Uh, then he goes into a press conference and threatens to quit. Uh, it, it was fun. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I thought it was fucking hilarious. 
he's um, he's always good entertainment when his team loses. Let's be oh, honest. It's magic. It was so much fun. But the star man in the game, which I watched, and I'll have to concede this before uh, Cammy. I hope you've got your lotion and your Andrex ready. Uh, I'll have to concede was Kyle Lafferty, who was really was terrific, and he did all the things that Cammy listed there. Worked his nuts off. Intelligent use of the ball. His game sense was exceptional in terms of the amount of times he got hearts out of trouble or got them 60 yards out of the field um, he just had another superb game and another great goal would you and we'll start with Alex would you be interested in seeing him return to Ibrox this summer no that's definitive Cameron again I think I might know the answer to this how would you feel about Kyle Lafferty pitching up at Ibrox this summer I don't. So, I think I would. I would take Lafferty back, only in certain conditions. You would take Lafferty back if you had to give him a fucking backy from Edinburgh. No, 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 David. Let's no. Let's be sensible and pragmatic about this. I would take Lafferty back, only in the proviso that we build the entire team around him and rename the Copeland after him. <laughs> but- uh, listen. It's not headline news. Kyle Lafferty loves the end of the season. All right, he does. This is his. This is his absolute. You know, he always comes good towards the tail end of the season. Um, so no, I don't want to back Ibrox. All joking aside, let's be totally serious. Um, if he was to come back as a squad player and do the, the stupid Stephen Naismith offer of, yeah, I'll come back for free because someone else will be paying my wages. I why not? Of course I'd take a punt him. But no, I wouldn't bring him back. He. Um, he he is always and always will be too erratic throughout the course of a season. He he just he just finishes well. That's what he does. He just finishes the season well and closes out. It's why he's won so many leagues for Rangers single handedly. I might add, mm. um, but he always does it. He always does it. And I think um, what's great about him because I, 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 no one no one can question where his allegiances lie. He absolutely loves winding up Celtic. He loves winding up Neil Lennon. Um, I can absolutely guarantee you that Lennon was probably thinking to himself on Tuesday night before the game um, Jesus I hope Lafferty doesn't score against us tomorrow and the only thing that would make that worse would be that bastard Naismith <laughs> scoring against us tomorrow and look what happened somebody said so, to me is that him forgiven does it fuck <laughs> well the, the, the best thing about, listen Alex is totally right we love see Lennon in full on ranty mode after he's just been pumped Everyone loves that Neil Lennon because I, I, I think he ranged yesterday from uh, taunting the Hearts fans about being 40 points in front of them. By the way, Neil, just because I know you'll probably listen to this, see when you close your fingers and do that, it is, it is like 10, 5, 15, whatever. It, it, 10 points, just hold your fingers up. Um, he talked about his players' footwear. Um, and then I think he tried to resign from his own job. He did, yeah. So, yeah, I, um, I think Neil. I think Neil just needs to calm down his reactions a little bit. But um, I think we all know the danger he gets into when he gets a wee bit hit up and says things that he shouldn't. Let's put it like that. I wonder if he wakes up the next morning, much as I used to do after a bender, and I used to like my ex-wife. I used to reach round for her hand in the bed and if she, and squeeze it, and if she squeezed it back, I'd been all right. And if she hit it, I mean, get to fucked. I was like, oh no, <laughs> what have I done? And I wonder if Lennon woke up and went, I'm quitting? Fuck. 
but not not our concern. Now it does mean that this Sunday, when we travel to um, Fester Road for this match, that they can't overtake us. But I suspect Alex, that's not going to make them any less likely to go out and give it everything they've got. We should be absolutely clear here. They could overtake us if they beat us by six goals. I'm hoping um, even I'm hoping even we can. Can't have that sort of that. Yes. yes, I am completely agree. If Hibs beat us by six goals on Sunday, I'm giving up show business. <laughs> I can't see that either, guys. And um, I can see he's losing to Hibs, uh, you know, in an away game where, um, they, you know, they've been, they've had their number all season, and the, the one game that we won against them, we certainly carried about a lot that night. So, you know, I can certainly see he's losing, but we're not going to lose a game by six goals. I think that's pretty clear. Um, hell. Jesus, if we thought there was even a chance it, we'd just get a few players sent off and get a game abandoned. Mm, take, the um, three, yeah. take the 3-0 defeat. Uh, no. Um, so, so, yes, it's, it's became a largely meaningless game. They're going to come in and have a real go. Because, you know, they owe it to... They would have done it anyway, but they owe it to their fans to try and make a you know, a fist at winning by six. I'm hopeful that we... Uh, we're missing a couple... I mean, we're missing Morelos and McCrory. We've just spoken about how vital they were against Aberdeen. But I'm kind of hopeful we we uh, make a nice bit of a battle of it, get a positive result, finish the season on some sort of positive note, because I think uh, you guys joined me in just wanting this one over and done with. And let's get Stevie G in the door. Right, absolutely, that's what happens. When a new manager offers the promise of a brighter future, and especially before they really start work, is the time that you get to project onto them your hopes and your dreams and given the glamorous nature of the incoming team and how excited that's got us then that is magnified uh, during this period so yeah these games do seem to be a bit of a kind of I'll just get them out of the way I must admit I, I, I know this sounds really odd but third I don't like but fourth terrified me and obviously I won't second but there is still that Rangers thing in me Cammy that says if I know first, second or third I don't really care I know I'm supposed to care about second or third I know that and I suppose I kind of do and Hoggy I can hear him in my ear going means we get two extra weeks off means we get two extra and he's right and I get that but fourth would have been appalling especially because it lets you know, Lennon finish above us but I still want us to win because and I know that you and I disagree on this I still don't think that Aberdeen will beat Celtic so even allowing for that Celtic might find it funny I still think that they'll get the win and that means if we get three points we'll do it against that Alex just nailed what I see as being a massive problem Morelos and McCrory missing I'm a bit concerned So listen I understand that Um, I I will continue to state that I, I do believe Aberdeen will beat Celtic on Sunday I think um, Rogers already has his cup final team sorted out so there isn't really any positions to play for um, what's interesting though from what both of you have said um, is how does Lennon motivate his players for it because if there was still so let's let's remove the 6-0 thing for a start right sorry no one at Hibs thinks that they're, they're going to beat us 6-0 but given how much he's just throwing them under the bus and it's not the first time he's done it but how much he's just thrown them under the bus because he, he came out 
quite vehemently against his defenders for the 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 goals that they conceded on uh, Wednesday night as well, and the and the manner of which they conceded them. I don't know as to how he motivates them because he can't move league position now. Right? They won't, right? Because they won't obviously score that many against us that they could potentially move. Um, I don't know as to how he how he gets them turned around because if I was there must be Hibs players in that dressing room who are looking at it going, what a fucking crackpot. He's actually, it's, you can say all these things behind closed doors and you can say it in the sanctuary of the dressing room and what have you, but you can't commit to these things in public. You, you just can't do it. And it's, that's, it's, that's the whole Neil Lennon circus, right? Our biggest problem, as you say, Davey, is who do we select and, and how do we focus on that? Forget about Hibs. Forget what they can, you know, could do to us and all the rest of it. I think we just have to treat this game as what everyone wants, which is the final 90 minutes of our season. Get this done. I, I don't I don't know if there is a Stevie G effect yet um, because I, I, I think even if a manager hadn't been announced, I still think that we the, the, the departure of Marty has probably cleared a lot of the, the toxicity that was in some of that, that some of the dressing room. Um, but I do think we need to think about selection purposes. I don't know if that means Cummins up top and maybe Dockery behind them. Something of that nature. I don't know if Windass is going to be available for Sunday. I haven't really heard too much on that, if I'm honest. Um, I think all we can do is set up the team as best we possibly can, go there. If we can fight against Aberdeen, we can fight against Hibs. That's my mentality, and I think that's what Nickel has to say to them. And go, look, they've nothing to play for. The dates for Europe aside, and Hoggy has mentioned that a lot, and I totally understand that he's making a great point when he says it. There's also, I think, something like a, a half a million pound difference between finishing second and third. All that stuff. Just go out and just finish it. I don't want it to be the case that I see in BBC reports and in, in other mainstream media reports that Stephen Gerrard has to come in and get the team move from last season's finish of, uh, finishing position of third. I would like to say that it's second and uh, there's one spot above us that we have to attain, that's it. There's no more talk about finishing in the top two or any of that shit. Alex, team-wise, what, what would you do? What do you think we'll do, but what would you do? Um, firstly, uh, and I'd like to point out, guys, that this was a, a comment made by Mr Cameron Bell, um, who quite convincingly told me that there was more chance of Andrea Iniesta playing for us again than Jordan Rosser. So I'm looking forward to Iniesta's debut <laughs> Sunday next to Rossiter as Rossiter comes in to replace McCrory. Um, I would um, imagine that Rossiter will come in. I would personally go Rossiter. Uh, I, I want Dockery in the team as well. Uh, I don't know why he seems to have fallen out of favour, but I'm not sure if that's going to be the case. Dorans is going to be injured. I severely doubt Windass is going to make it. It does mean having to play Cummings up front, unless we throw in Eduardo Herrera for one final swan song. Um, you know, he has his uh, win loss record when he plays isn't too bad, I suppose. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, uh, I, I mean, that, I think that'll be the, the team. I think you'll see something pretty similar to what we played, which does mean Russell Martin. I apologise to everybody for saying that, but uh, yeah, um, I think Ross will replace McCrory. Cummings will be up front. I would hope that Dockery comes in in Doran's place, but I wouldn't be surprised if. You know, like midweek it's Goss who come off the bench for him uh, and yeah Cammy's right it'll be a bit of a battle but we just showed a bit of a battle against Aberdeen there so so let's just bring it to Hibs as well there's no reason we can they will it's not the first time Lennon's put them under the bus so I think they will be up for it 
Um, he seems to get away with it with this group of players. You know, they've not really taken half with him at all. It was guys like Stokes who did, and he got rid of them. So, you know, that's not happened. So, I think they'll still be up for it. But uh, if we show the same mentality they do, yeah, look, if you're getting into a game and all you need to avoid is a 6 0 defeat, it's a bit of a strange game, isn't it? Mm, yeah, um, that worries me, if I'm being honest. Not that I think it'll be 6 0, but just I wonder how they'll approach it. Because yeah, that that does make me think that they might go ah the job's done really knock off. But it's how much do they want to finish second? Because yeah. it gives them look. We all know that quite a few of them, not all of them, um, despite what some people might hope for, quite a few of them are going, and I'm sure they know that in their heart of hearts as well that they are going. And it's whether or not they want to finish up and be able to point to a second place finish, which would be an improvement on last season. Okay, not that it makes this season a good one but you would be able to in future go well we finished third and then second the year I was there you know that kind of thing if that motivates them or if instead they are just I'm out of here soon I need to get this game out of the way I think so personally speaking I wouldn't risk Rosser um, Alex is right I did say that I'm, I'm, I'm still not sold that Jordan Rosser will make a consistent impact at Rangers Um I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to be proven wrong in that. I wouldn't risk him against them at Easter Road because I don't trust uh, Hibs not to come in and start hammer throwing. Um, I think that we've got more options available than that. I'm not saying that Ross couldn't play some sort of part, so potentially we could give him half an hour at the end or whatever once we've, we've seen how the game has panned out. Um, I think we just need to go and, and, and then see what happens there. I'm still... I'm, I'm, I hate to sound so pessimistic, but I'm still of the belief that even if we beat Hibs, I still think Celtic will lose to Aberdeen. Um, but again, like I, I would rather that it was in our control and we finish the season well. Um, if Nickel approaches it in a way of like you know, you've got to think about what the new manager wants, how you can play a part in that if you're going to have a future here, etc. That's what they then have to think about because there will be boys within that within that squad who will go, but there's, we're going to keep more than we're going to lose. And I think a lot of those players will, will will start on Sunday, so they need to think about how they approach that. We word for Jimmy Nicol and Jonathan Johansson, Alex, because I think it's pretty apparent that they're going. I think they know that they're going. And they're turning up, they're doing their best. And from a bleak situation at half-time the other night, they did get a reaction. Yeah, and I think it's worth pointing out many Rangers fans that I know, if they get back to their reaction, and I understand it's an emotional one, if they get back to their reaction after the last game against Celtic, they firmly believe we'd be lucky to take a point in these last three games. So we're on four now, chance you know to finish with seven points out of nine and three difficult last three matches you know, that they've been in charge of with all the changes, with everything that's going on off the field with Gerard, um, off the field with, you know, some of our players, Marty away, etc, etc. If they finish with taking seven points out of nine out of those three games, it's a pretty decent return. Jimmy Nicol has been making a big deal about the fact that, you know, Gerard's going to be watching this. I believe his phrase was he'll be um, looking to, to pick out the weeds from the flowers. Um Somehow being a flower's better. I don't know why, but there you go. Um, but uh, but yeah, he's he's really trying to impress upon this squad that look, it's not me you're playing for now. It's yourselves, your future, and the next manager who's coming in before you know it. So 
he seems to have got something from them, as you say. Even I suppose even the reaction of going one 0 down and starting to boot people has been more of a reaction <laughs> than we've had most of the season, hasn't it? It is. I mean, yes. it's almost like yeah, we knew we were losing those games against Celtic where the game started. We could see it a mile away. You know, after five minutes, we're all looking at each other, thinking, "Ah, fuck." But uh, if we just went out and booted them, I think people would have been a wee bit happier with that. Yep. Um, so, so, yeah, they've obviously, Jimmy Nichols obviously getting something from them. I think Johansson plays a big part, for example. I'm convinced, well, I mean, Nichols can, you know, confirmed that it was his decision to play McCrory in midfield, that, you know, it was Johansson who'd done that for him. But I'm also convinced Johansson's been the one that said, play Cummings wide left so we can move Murphy inside, um, given, you know, it was the other way around in the game before. So, so yeah, they've made a bit of a difference. It's a bit of a shame. I, I would have liked to. I think Jimmy Nicol, you know, I'm not surprised he can move on and you can go and get an assistant manager's role somewhere else. I would have kind of liked to have kept Johansson about. Um, he's worked with the youths as well a little bit. Uh, I think it's a bit of a shame if they both just go. But it's a bit surprising. Yeah, it's a bit surprising because they were very keen on retaining Jonathan Johansson when they were talking about it. And certainly, if McInnes was coming, he was staying, and that was a club-imposed condition. And they they really have high hopes for him, and yeah, I mean, I I think he wouldn't necessarily have to go into the inner circle. He could go with the youth team and maybe work indirectly or with the with the manager for a bit to see if he they get on and if he rates them. But yeah, who knows? It could just be a case of now nah, we just want a completely a completely new blank canvas to work off. Okay, it's prediction time then, guys. Cameron. I'm going to say 4 0 Rangers. Brave. Extremely brave. Um, one each for me. I'm going to go one each. And I think one each with uh, a frenetic start from Hibs settling down. And then maybe just you find that they end up playing out the last kind of 10 15 minutes. And I also think a point will be enough, incidentally, for second. So. Time will tell, I've been wrong plenty of times before. Now, that is it for this week's Heart and Hand Extra, and that is actually it for the debut season of Heart and Hand Extra. So I hope you've enjoyed this at the start of the year. It seems a long time ago now, but uh, that was when we first went to two shows per week and introduced the preview show, but obviously, with no games to cover, there's no need to preview them. Um, We will be back next season on Heart and Hand Extra. There are still a couple more Heart and Hands, regular, uh, season heart and hands to come but this will be the last heart and hand extra before we head just time to say though that if you do want to hear more from us you just need to go to our Patreon site that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash heart and hand and up will pop usually three sometimes four and occasionally even five Ranger shows per day you need never listen to Radio Clyde again we've got you covered Thanks to our executive producers in London Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Miles to my two guests this evening the wonderful Mr Cameron and James Bell Thank you, boys. Thank you. The beautiful Mr. Alex Staff. Thank you, gentlemen. My name's David Edgar, and I will talk to you all again on Monday. Till then, take care. Bye. Network.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.